0: Section 17 of Greece and Rome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The World's Story, Volume 4, Greece and Rome, edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 17. The Lemnian. A story of Thermopylae, four hundred and eighty BC by John buchan in the fifth century BC, Persia was the most powerful empire in the world. Its ruler Darius became enraged at the Greeks because of the assistance which they gave to the Asiatic Greeks in their attempt to win freedom from his control he was completely routed at marathon but ten years later his son and successor xerxes after vast preparations set out to conquer and punish the little country which had dared to oppose a persian command his forces were met at the narrow pass of thermopylae by leonidas with a handful of spartans and their allies after two days of fruitless attack on the part of the invaders a treacherous greek pointed out to them a path over the mountains by which they could get to the rear of the greeks the spartan soldiers knew that nothing but death lay before them but the laws of their country forbade flight from an enemy they fought like demons but every man was slain the editor he pushed the matted locks from his brow as he peered into the mist his hair was thick with salt and his eyes smarted from the green wood fire on the poop the four slaves who crouched beside the thwarts carrions with thin bird-like faces were in a pitiable case their hands blue with oar-wheels and the lash marks on their shoulders beginning to gape from sun and sea the lemnian himself bore marks of ill-usage his cloak was still sopping his eyes heavy with watching and his lips black and cracked with thirst two days before the storm had caught him and swept his little craft into mid aegean he was a sailor come of sailor stock and he had fought the gale manfully and well but the sea had burst his water-jars and the torments of drought had been added to his toil he had been driven south almost to Cyros, but had found no harbor then a weary day with the oars had brought him close to the euboean shore when a freshet of storm drove him seaward again now at last in this northerly creek of Skiathos, he had found shelter and a spring but it was a perilous place for there were robbers in the bushy hills mainland men who loved above all things to rob an islander and out at sea as he looked toward pelion there seemed something ado which boded little good there was deep water beneath a ledge of cliff half covered by a tangle of wildwood so Atta lay in the boughs looking through the trails of vine at the racing tides now reddening in the dawn the storm had hit others besides him it seemed the channel was full of ships aimless ships that tossed between tide and wind looking closer he saw that they were all wreckage there had been tremendous doings in the north and a navy of some sort had come to grief atta was a prudent man and knew that a broken fleet might be dangerous there might be men lurking in the maimed galleys who would make short work of the owner of a battered but navigable craft at first he thought that the ships were those of the hellenes the troublesome fellows were everywhere in the islands stirring up strife and robbing the old lords but the tides running strongly from the east were bringing some of the wreckage in an eddy into the bay he lay closer and watched the spars and splintered poops as they neared him these were no galleys of the hellenes then came a drowned man swollen and horrible then another swarthy hook-nosed fellows all yellow with the sea atta was puzzled they must be the men from the east about whom he had been hearing long ere he left lamnos there had been news about the persians they were coming like locusts out of the dawn swarming over ionia and thrace men and ships numerous beyond telling they meant no ill to honest islanders a little earth and water were enough to win their friendship but they meant death to the hubris footnote, riotousness, of, footnote, of the hellenes atta was on the side of the invaders he wished them well in their war with his ancient foes they would eat them up athenians lacedaemonians corinthians men of argos and ellis and none would be left to trouble him but in the meantime something had gone wrong clearly there had been no battle as the bodies butted against the side of the galley he hooked up one or two and found no trace of a wound poseidon had grown cranky and had claimed victims the god would be appeased by this time and all would go well danger being past he bade the men get ashore and fill the water-skins god's curse on all hellenes he said as he soaked up the cold water from the spring in the thicket about noon he set sail again the wind set in the northeast but the wall of pelion turned it into a light stern breeze which carried him swiftly westward the four slaves still leg-weary and arm-weary lay like logs beside the thwarts two slept one munched some salty figs the fourth the headman stared wearily forward with ever and again a glance back at his master but the lemnian never looked his way his head was on his breast as he steered and he brooded on the sins of the hellenes he was of the old pelagian stock the first lords of the land who had come out of the soil at the call of god the pillaging northmen had crushed his folk out of the mainlands and most of the islands but in lemnos they had met their match it was a family story how every grown male had been slain and how the women long after had slaughtered their conquerors in the night lemnian deeds said the hellenes when they wished to speak of some shameful thing but to atta the shame was a glory to be cherished for ever he and his kind were the ancient people and the gods loved old things as these new folk would find very especially he hated the men of athens had not one of their captains miltiades beaten the lemnians and brought the island under athenian sway true it was a rule only in name for any athenian who came alone to lemnos would soon be cleaving the air from the highest cliff-top but the thought irked his pride and he gloated over the persian's coming the great king from beyond the deserts would smite these outrageous upstarts atta would willingly give earth and water it was the whim of a fantastic barbarian and would be well repaid if the bastard hellenes were destroyed they spoke his own tongue and worshipped his own gods and yet did evil let the nemesis of zeus devour them the wreckage pursued him everywhere dead men shouldered the side of the galley and the straits were stuck full of things like monstrous buoys where tall ships had foundered at artemisium he thought he saw signs of an anchored fleet with the low poops of the hellenes and steered off to the northern shores there looking towards eta and the malian gulf he found an anchorage at sunset the waters were ugly and the times ill and he had come on an enterprise bigger than he had dreamed the lemnian was a stout fellow but he had no love for needless danger he laughed mirthlessly as he thought of his errand for he was going to hellas to the shrine of the hellenes it was a woman's doing like most crazy enterprises three years ago his wife had labored hard in childbirth and had had the whims of laboring women up in the keep of larissa on the windy hillside there had been heart-searching and talk about the gods the little olive-wood hermes the very private and particular god of atta's folk was good enough in simple things like a lambing or a harvest but he was scarcely fit for heavy tasks atta's wife declared that her lord lacked piety there were mainland gods who repaid worship but his scorn of all hellenes made him blind to the merits of these potent divinities at first atta resisted there was attic blood in his wife and he strove to argue with her on an orthodox craving but the woman persisted and a lemnian wife as she is beyond other wives in virtue and comeliness is beyond them in stubbornness of temper a second time she was with child and nothing would content her but that atta should make his prayers to the stronger gods dodona was far away and long ere he reached it his throat would be cut in the hills but delphi was but two days journey from the malian coast and the gods of delphi the far darter had surprising gifts if one were to credit travellers tales ada yielded with an ill grace and out of his wealth devised an offering to apollo so on this july day he found himself looking across the gulf to Calodromos, bound for a hellenic shrine but hating all hellenes in his soul a verse of homer consoled him the words which Phocyon spoke to achilles verily even the gods may be turned they whose excellence and honor and strength are greater than thine yet even these do men when they pray turn from their purpose with offerings of incense and pleasant vows the far darter must hate the hubris of these hellenes and be the more ready to avenge it since they dare to claim his countenance no race has ownership in the gods a lemnian song-maker had said when atta had been questioning the ways of poseidon the following dawn found him coasting past the north end of euboea in the thin fog of a windless summer morn he steered by the peak of Othrys and a spur of eta as he had learned from a slave who had travelled the road presently he was in the muddy Malian waters and the sun was scattering the mist on the landward side and then he became aware of a greater commotion than poseidon's play with the ships off pelion a murmur like a winter storm came seaward he lowered the sail which he had set to catch a chance breeze and bade the men rest on their oars an earthquake seemed to be tearing at the roots of the hills the mist rolled up and his hawk eyes saw a strange sight the water was green and still around him shoreward it changed its color it was a dirty red and things bobbed about in it like the persians in the creek of Skiathos. on the strip of shore below the sheer wall of Calodromos, men were fighting myriads of men far away toward Locris, they stretched in ranks and banners and tents till the eye lost them in the haze there was no sail on the queer muddy red-edged sea there was no man in the hills but on that one flat ribbon of sand all the nations of the earth were warring he remembered about the place thermopylae they called it the hot gates the hellenes were fighting the persians in the pass for their fatherland Ada was prudent and loved not other men's quarrels he gave the word to the rowers to row seaward in twenty strokes they were in the mist again atta was prudent but he was also stubborn he spent the day in a creek on the northern shore of the gulf listening to the weird hum which came over the waters out of the haze he cursed the delay up on calodromos would be clear dry air and the path to delphi among the oak woods the hellenes could not be fighting everywhere at once he might find some spot on the shore far in their rear where he could land and gain the hills there was danger indeed but once on the ridge he would be safe and by the time he came back the great king would have swept the defenders into the sea and be well on the road for athens he asked himself if it were fitting that a lemnian should be stayed in his holy task by the struggles of hellene and barbarian his thoughts flew to his homestead at larissa and the dark-eyed wife who was awaiting his home-coming he could not return without apollo's favor his manhood and the memory of his lady's eyes forbade it so late in the afternoon he pushed off again and steered his galley for the south about sunset the mist cleared from the sea but the dark falls swiftly in the shadow of the high hills and otta had no fear with the night the hum sank to a whisper it seemed that the invaders were drawing off to camp for the sound receded to the west at the last light the lemnian touched a rock point well in the rear of the defence he noticed that the spume at the tide's edge was reddish and stuck to his hands like gum of a surety much blood was flowing on that coast he bade his slaves return to the north shore and lie hidden there to await him when he came back he would light a signal fire on the topmost bluff of Kaladromos. let them watch for it and come to take him off then he seized his bow and quiver and his short hunting spear buckled his cloak about him saw that the gift to apollo was safe in the folds of it and marched sturdily up the hillside the moon was in her first quarter a slim horn which at her rise showed only the faint outline of the hill atta plodded steadfastly on but he found the way hard this was not like the crisp sea turf of lemnos where among the barrows of the ancient dead sheep and kine could find sweet fodder calodromos ran up as steep as the roof of a barn ctesis and thyme and juniper grew rank but above all the place was strewn with rocks leg twisting boulders and great cliffs where eagles dwelt being a seaman atta had his bearings the path to delphi left the shore road near the hot gates and went south by a rift of the mountain if he went up the slope in a bee-line he must strike it in time and find better going still it was an eerie place to be tramping after dark the hellenes had strange gods of the thicket and hillside and he had no wish to intrude upon their sanctuaries he told himself that next to the hellenes he hated this country of theirs where a man sweltered in hot jungles or tripped among hidden crags he sighed for the cool beaches below larissa where the surf was white as the snows of samothrace and the fisher boys sang round their smoking broth pots. presently he found a path it was not the mule road worn by many feet that he had looked for but a little track which twined among the boulders still it eased his feet so he cleared the thorns from his sandals strapped his belt tighter and stepped out more confidently up and up he went making odd detours among the crags once he came to a promontory and looking down saw lights twinkling from the hot gates he had thought the course lay more southerly but consoled himself by remembering that a mountain path must have many windings the great matter was that he was ascending for he knew that he must cross the ridge of eta before he struck the locrian glens that led to the far darter's shrine at what seemed the summit of the first ridge he halted for breath and prone on the time looked back to sea the hot gates were hidden but across the gulf a single light shone from the far shore he guessed that by this time his galley had been beached and his slaves were cooking supper the thought made him homesick he had beaten and cursed these slaves of his times without number but now in this strange land he felt them kinsfolk men of his own household then he told himself he was no better than a woman had he not gone sailing to chalcedon and distant pontus many months journey from home while this was but a trip of days in a week, he would be welcomed home by a smiling wife with a friendly god behind him. The track still bore west, though Delphi lay in the south, Moreover, he had come to a broader road running through a little tableland. The highest peaks of Eda were dark against the sky, and around him was a flat glade where oaks whispered in the night breezes. By this time, he judged from the stars that midnight had passed, and he began to consider whether now that he was beyond the fighting he should not sleep and wait for dawn he made up his mind to find a shelter and in the aimless way of the night traveler pushed on and on in the quest of it the truth is his mind was on lemnos and a dark-eyed white-armed dame spinning in the evening by the threshold his eyes roamed among the oak trees but vacantly and idly and many a mossy corner was passed unheeded he forgot his ill-temper and hummed cheerfully the song his reapers sang in the barley-fields below his orchard it was a song of seamen turned husbandmen for the gods it called on were the gods of the sea suddenly he found himself crouching among the young oaks peering and listening there was something coming from the west it was like the first mutterings of a storm in a narrow harbour a steady rustling and whispering it was not wind he knew winds too well to be deceived it was the tramp of light shod feet among the twigs many feet for the sound remained steady while the noise of a few men will rise and fall they were coming fast and coming silently the war had reached far up calidromos ada had played this game often in the little island wars very swiftly he ran back and away from the path up the slope which he knew to be the first ridge of Kallidromos, the army whatever it might be was on the delphian road were the hellenes about to turn the flank of the great king a moment later he laughed at his folly for the men began to appear and they were coming to meet him coming from the west lying close in the brushwood he could see them clearly it was well he had left the road for they stuck to it following every winding crouching too like hunters after deer the first man he saw was a hellene but the ranks behind were no hellenes there was no glint of bronze or gleam of fair skin they were dark long-haired fellows with spears like his own and round eastern caps and egg-shaped bucklers then atta rejoiced it was the great king who was turning the flank of the hellenes they guarded the gate the fools while the enemy slipped through the roof he did not rejoice long the van of the army was narrow and kept to the path but the men behind were straggling all over the hillside another minute and he would be discovered the thought was cheerless it was true that he was an islander and friendly to the persian but up on the heights who would listen to his tale he would be taken for a spy and one of those thirsty spears would drink his blood it must be farewell to delphi for the moment he thought or farewell to lemnos for ever crouching low he ran back and away from the path to the crest of the sea-ridge of Calodromos. the men came nearer to him they were keeping roughly to the line of the path and drifted through the oak wood before him an army without end he had scarcely thought there were so many fighting men in the world he resolved to lie there on the crest in the hope that ere the first light they would be gone then he would push on to delphi leaving them to settle their quarrels behind him these were hard times for a pious pilgrim but another noise caught his ear from the right the army had flanking squadrons and men were coming along the ridge very bitter anger rose in atta's heart He had cursed the hellenes and now he cursed the barbarians no less nay he cursed all war that spoiled the errands of peaceful folk and then seeking safety he dropped over the crest on to the steep shoreward face of the mountain in an instant his breath had gone from him he had slid down a long slope of screes and then with a gasp found himself falling sheer into space another second and he was caught in a tangle of bush and then dropped once more upon screes, where he clutched desperately for handhold breathless and bleeding he came to anchor on a shelf of greensward and found himself blinking up at the crest which seemed to tower a thousand feet above there were men on the crest now he heard them speak and felt that they were looking down the shock kept him still till the men had passed then the terror of the place gripped him and he tried feverishly to retrace his steps a dweller all his days among gentle downs he grew dizzy with the sense of being hung in space but the only fruit of his efforts was to set him slipping again this time he pulled up at a root of gnarled oak which overhung the sheerest cliff on Caladromos. the danger brought his wits back he sullenly reviewed his case and found it desperate he could not go back and even if he did he would meet the persians if he went on he would break his neck or at the best fall into the hellenes hands oddly enough he feared his old enemies less than his friends he did not think that the hellenes would butcher him again he might sit perched in his eyrie till they settled their quarrel or he fell off he rejected this last way fall off he should for certain unless he kept moving already he was giddy with the vertigo of the heights it was growing lighter suddenly he was looking not into a black world but to a pearl-gray floor far beneath him it was the sea the thing he knew and loved the sight screwed up his courage he remembered that he was a lemnian and a seafarer he would be conquered neither by rock nor by helene nor by the great king least of all by the last who was a barbarian slowly with clenched teeth and narrowed eyes he began to clamber down a ridge which flanked the great cliff of calidromos his plan was to reach the shore and take the road to the east before the persians completed their circuit some instinct told him that a great army would not take the track he had mounted by there must be some longer and easier way debouching farther down the coast he might yet have the good luck to slip between them and the sea the two hours which followed tried his courage hard thrice he fell and only a juniper root stood between him and death his hands grew ragged And his nails were worn to the quick he had long ago lost his weapons his cloak was in shreds all save the breastfold which held the gift to apollo the heavens brightened but he dared not look around he knew that he was traversing awesome places where a goat would scarcely tread many times he gave up hope of life his head was swimming and he was so deadly sick that often he had to lie gasping on some shoulder of rock less steep than the rest but his anger kept him to his purpose he was filled with fury at the hellenes it was they and their folly that had brought him these mischances some day he found himself sitting blinking on the shore of the sea a furlong off the water was lapping on the reefs a man larger than human in the morning mist was standing above him greeting stranger said the voice by hermes you choose the difficult roads to travel atta felt for broken bones and reassured struggled to his feet god's curse upon all mountains he said he staggered to the edge of the tide and laved his brow the savor of salt revived him he turned to find the tall man at his elbow and noted how worn and ragged he was and yet how upright when a pigeon is flushed from the rocks there is a hawk near said the voice atta was angry a hawk he cried ay an army of eagles there will be some rare flushing of hellenes before evening what frightened you islander the stranger asked did a wolf bark up on the hillside ay a wolf the wolf from the east with a multitude of wolflings there will be fine eating soon in the pass the man's face grew dark he put his hand to his mouth and called half a dozen sentries ran to join him he spoke to them in the harsh lacedaemonian speech which made atta sick to hear they talked with the back of the throat and there was not an s in their words there is mischief in the hills the first man said this islander has been frightened down over the rocks the persian is stealing a march on us the sentries laughed one quoted a proverb about island courage atta's wrath flared and he forgot himself he had no wish to warn the hellenes but it irked his pride to be thought a liar he began to tell his story hastily angrily confusedly and the men still laughed then he turned eastward and saw the proof before him the light had grown and the sun was coming up over Pelion, the first beam fell on the eastern ridge of caledromos and there clear on the skyline was the proof the persian was making a wide circuit but moving shoreward in a little he would be at the coast and by noon at the hellene's rear his hearers doubted no more Atta was hurried forward through the lines of the greeks to the narrow throat of the pass where behind a rough rampart of stones lay the lacedaemonian headquarters he was still giddy from the heights and it was in a giddy dream that he traversed the misty shingles of the beach amid ranks of sleeping warriors it was a grim place for there were dead and dying in it and blood on every stone but in the lee of the wall little fires were burning and slaves were cooking breakfast the smell of roasting flesh came pleasantly to his nostrils and he remembered that he had had no meal since he crossed the gulf then he found himself the centre of a group who had the air of kings they looked as if they had been years in war never had he seen faces so worn and so terribly scarred the hollows in their cheeks gave them the air of smiling and yet they were grave their scarlet vests were torn and muddied and the armour which lay near was dinted like the scrap-iron before a smithy door but what caught his attention was the eyes of the men they glittered as no eyes he had ever seen before glittered the sight cleared his bewilderment and took the pride out of his heart he could not pretend to despise a folk who looked like ares fresh from the wars of the immortals they spoke among themselves in quiet voices scouts came and went and once or twice one of the men taller than the rest asked otta a question the lemnian sat in the heart of the group sniffing the smell of cooking and looking at the rents in his cloak and the long scratches on his legs something was pressing on his breast and he found that it was apollo's gift he had forgotten all about it delphi seemed beyond the moon and his errand a child's dream then the king for so he thought of the tall man spoke you have done us a service islander the persian is at our back and front and there will be no escape for those who stay our allies are going home for they do not share our vows we of lacedaemon wait in the pass if you go with the men of corinth you will find a place of safety before noon no doubt in the euripus there is some boat to take you to your own land he spoke courteously not in the rude athenian way and somehow the quietness of his voice and his glittering eyes roused wild longings in atta's heart his island pride was face to face with a greater greater than he had ever dreamed of bid jan cooks give me some broth he said gruffly i am faint after i have eaten i will speak with you he was given food and as he ate he thought he was on trial before these men of lacedaemon more the old faith of the islands the pride of the first masters was at stake in his hands he had boasted that he and his kind were the last of the men now these hellenes of lacedaemon were preparing a great deed and they deemed him unworthy to share in it they offered him safety could he brook the insult he had forgotten that the cause of the persian was his that the hellenes were the foes of his race he saw only that the last test of manhood was preparing and the manhood in him rose to greet the trial an odd wild ecstasy surged in his veins it was not the lust of battle for he had no love of slaying or hate for the persian for he was his friend it was the sheer joy of proving that the lemnian stock had a starker pride than these men of lacedaemon they would die for their fatherland and their vows but he for a whim a scruple a delicacy of honour his mind was so clear that no other course occurred to him there was only one way for a man he too would be dying for his fatherland for through him the island race would be ennobled in the eyes of gods and men troops were filing fast to the east thebans corinthians time flies islander said the king's voice the hours of safety are slipping past atta looked up carelessly i will stay he said god's curse on all hellenes little care i for your quarrels it is nothing to me if your hellas is under the heel of the east but i care much for brave men it shall never be said that a man of lemnos a son of the old race fell back when death threatened i stay with you men of lacedaemon the king's eyes glittered they seemed to peer into his heart it appears they breed men in the islands he said but you err death does not threaten death awaits us it is all the same said atta but i crave a boon let me fight my last fight by your side i am of older stock than you and a king in my own country i would strike my last blow among kings there was an hour of respite before battle was joined and atta spent it by the edge of the sea he had been given arms and in girding himself for the fight he had found apollo's offering in his breastfold he was done with the gods of the hellenes his offering should go to the gods of his own people so calling upon poseidon he flung the little gold cup far out to sea it flashed in the sunlight and then sank in the soft green tide so noiselessly that it seemed as if the hand of the sea-god had been stretched to take it hail poor sidon the lemnian cried i am bound this day for the ferryman to you only i make prayer and to the little hermes of larissa be kind to my kin when they travel the sea and keep them islanders and seafarers for ever hail and farewell god of my own folk then while the little waves lapped on the white sand Atta made a song he was thinking of the homestead far up in the green downs looking over to the snows of samothrace at this hour in the morning there would be a tinkle of sheep-bells as the flocks went down to the low pastures cool winds would be blowing and the noise of the surf below the cliffs would come faint to the ear in the hall the maids would be spinning while their dark-haired mistress would be casting swift glances to the doorway lest it might be filled any moment by the form of her returning lord outside in the checkered sunlight of the orchard the child would be playing with his nurse crooning in childish syllables the chanty his father had taught him and at the thought of his home a great passion welled up in atta's heart it was not regret but joy and pride and aching love in his antique island creed the death he was awaiting was no other than a bridal he was dying for the things he loved and by his death they would be blessed eternally he would not have long to wait before bright eyes came to greet him in the house of shadows so made the song of atta and sang it then and later in the press of battle it was a simple song like the lays of seafarers it put into rough verse the thought which cheers the heart of all adventurers nay which makes adventure possible for those who have much to leave it spoke of the shining pathway of the sea which is the great uniter a man may lie dead in pontus or beyond the pillars of hercules but if he dies on the shore there is nothing between him and his fatherland it spoke of a battle all the long dark night in a strange place a place of marshes and black cliffs and shadowy terrors in the dawn the sweet light comes said the song and the salt winds and the tides will bear me home when in the evening the persians took toll of the dead they found one man who puzzled them he lay among the tall lacedaemonians on the very lip of the sea and around him were swathes of their countrymen it looked as if he had been fighting his way to the water and had been overtaken by death as his feet reached the edge nowhere in the pass did the dead lie so thick and yet he was no he was torn like a deer that the dogs had worried but the little left of his garments and his features spoke of eastern race the survivors could tell nothing except that he had fought like a god and had been singing all the while the matter came to the ear of the great king who was sore enough at the issue of the day that one of his men had performed feats of valor beyond the hellenes was a pleasant tale to tell and so his captains reported it accordingly when the fleet from artemisium arrived next morning and all but a few score persians were shovelled into holes that the hellenes might seem to have been conquered by a lesser force Atta's body was laid out with pomp in the midst of the lacedaemonians and the seamen rubbed their eyes and thanked their strange gods that one man of the east had been found to match those terrible warriors whose name was a nightmare further the great king gave orders that the body of Atta should be embalmed and carried with the army and that his name and kin should be sought out and duly honored this latter was a task too hard for the staff and no more was heard of it till months after when the king in full flight after salamis bethought him of the one man who had not played him false finding that his lieutenants had nothing to tell him he eased five of them of their heads as it happened the deed was not quite forgotten an islander a lesbian and a cautious man had fought at thermopylae in the persian ranks and had heard atta singing and seen how he fell long afterwards some errand took this man to lemnos and in the evening speaking with the elders he told his tale and repeated something of the song there was that in the words which gave the lemnians a clue the mention i think of the olive-wood hermes and the snows of samothrace so ata came to great honor among his own people and his memory and his words were handed down to the generations the song became a favorite and for centuries throughout the aegean seafaring men sang it when they turned their prows to wild seas nay it travelled farther for you will find part of it stolen by euripides and put in a chorus of the andromache there are echoes of it in some of the epigrams of the anthology and though the old days have gone the simple fisher folk still sing snatches in their barbarous dialect the clefts used to make a catch of it at night round their fires in the hills and only the other day i met a man on cyros who had collected a dozen variants and was publishing them in a dull book on island folklore in the centuries which followed the great fight the sea fell away from the roots of the cliffs and left a mile of marshland about fifty years ago a peasant digging in a rice-field found the cup which otta had given to poseidon there was much talk about the discovery and scholars debated hotly about its origin Today, it is in the munich museum and according to the new fashion in archaeology it is labelled minoan and kept in the cretan section but anyone who looks carefully will see behind the rim a neat little carving of a dolphin and i happen to know that this was the private badge of atta's house End of section 17.